Well, um, thanks again, Jody, for um, the opportunity to uh, be part of your service this morning. Um, thank you for the um, invite. And um, what a privilege to be able to um, open the Bible with you guys this morning and to see what God has to say um, to our lives this morning. Now, 2020 has, um, I guess, begun on a very rough place for a lot of people with the bushfires um, that are still burning um, across the state and also across the country. Um, and I know of a lot of people who have um, been praying for rain, um, including you guys, as I've just heard from, um, um, from, from Jody. You guys have been praying as well for rain. Um, down in the Shoalhaven where I come from, um, churches um, around um, the Nara area have been meeting. Um, they were meeting every day, I think at between 8 and 9 in the morning, just to pray for rain. Um, and I think now it's going to about once a week on a Friday morning. People are, are still meeting to pray for rain. And I think at this point, they're just thanking God for the rain, for what God has done. So we serve a God that answers prayers, and he listens to our prayers. As Jody said, some people might think it's coincidence, but I believe it is God um, answering the prayers of his people, and he sent rain to us. So we thank God for the rain that we are receiving. Can't complain. Um, so 2020 is here, and um, a common question that is normally discussed at the start of each year is, do you have a New Year resolution? Do you have a New Year resolution? How many of you have heard of that question before? Or you've thought about it? You've thought about, what's my New Year resolution this year? What is it going to be? What do I want to achieve this year? Now, some people think having a New Year resolution is actually a waste of time and energy. Okay? It is a waste of time and energy. Don't need it. Let you check out that guy up there. Whilst other people believe... The New Year resolutions are, are, are invaluable tools in one's toolbox. To such people, New Year, the resolutions can be as useful as a bushfire survival plan, okay, um, in case of, an, of a bushfire emergency. Or it can be as useful as good compost to a garden to help your fruit and veggies grow and thrive. Um, now, I am not a guru, I'm not a pro, I'm not a professional in this department of New Year resolutions. Um, but I personally believe that two of the most important pillars that support any healthy resolution, whether it be it a New Year or three monthly or a lifetime resolution, um, the two of the most important pillars that support any healthy resolution is actually knowing your identity and also knowing your purpose in life. So the aim of today's message is not to convert you to be a New Year resolution fanatic. That's not my aim this morning. But rather, I want to encourage you to think about areas in which you might want to grow in your relationship with Jesus this year and beyond. And also, I want you to think about areas in which you might um, want to, how you might want to share this good news with other people around you. So as you are growing in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus, how do you share this faith with other people around you? How do you make him known to other people around you? So let's pray before we dive into God's word this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word. Please let your word mold our hearts and actions, even as I share it this morning, to the glory and honor of your name. Amen. Um, our reading this morning is going to be from First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, and this is what it says. 
says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, in this first letter to the persecuted Christians scattered throughout the northern parts of Asia Minor, it's written by Peter, and Peter, what he's trying to do here is he is um, encouraging the first century church to stand firm in Christ, even as they faced suffering because of their faith. As a minority group, it wasn't easy for the Christians. Uh, it wasn't easy being a Christian. It wasn't easy to practice your faith. Some of them would have faced brutality um, from those who opposed the Christian faith. So it was really hard for them um, to be living out their faith in their world. And so Peter writes this to encourage um, them to stand firm in their faith. Despite the hard circumstances, they are to stand firm in God's grace. Now, I thought this would be an appropriate passage to share this morning uh, because similar to Peter's audience, um, we also face suffering from life circumstances. Um, Hands up if you have never encountered any problems whatsoever. You've lived a worry-free life, no trouble whatsoever. Put your hand up, and I want your life. I want your life. Or tell me the secret to that life. Because our lives, and life as I've experienced it, is full of troubles and it's full of difficulties as well. We've got good times, but we, we've also got some great challenges um, from life's circumstances. Um, and also in our lives, we might also face opposition from those opposed to the Christian worldview. So I think this passage is very, very um, appropriate for us, just as much as it was appropriate for the ones who are receiving it for the very first time. So to be a Christian today here in Australia is almost synonymous with being a bigot or an intolerant person, unfortunately. Um, I saw this a lot last year in my classes in the questions and comments that the students were making. Um, you know, Christians are homophobes. Christians are this. Christians are backwards. Christians are intolerant. And it's very saddening to see that that's how Christians are perceived in our society today. And so for some people, understandably, uh, they are finding it hard to make themselves known to be Christians among their friends for fears of being rejected or being mocked by those who are opposed um, to God, be it in the family or be it in their social circles. They're finding it very hard to make themselves known to be Christians. Um, you know, I don't want to be sidelined. I don't want to be seen as the old one out. I don't want to, uh, you know, I still want to be part of these people's lives. And so how do we stay joyful? How do we stay passionate about God in such times? How do we still keep the fire alive and burning and just loving God with all of our hearts and, and serving him with all of our heart and all of our strength in such times? How do we keep that flame burning? How do we respond to the great mission of making disciples of all nations? How are we to be the feet that bring good news to the world when we might potentially face rejection or persecution in our world today? 
So in today's remarkable passage um, from Peter's letter, we find two encouraging truths um, that are timeless even for us as Christians in 2020. They are truths that we ought not to forget in the great times of life when things are going well, but more so even when we face challenges in life, when we face these difficult times in our lives. Number one is our identity is in God. Our identity is in God. And number two, our purpose of existence is to declare his praises. It is to glorify God. Very important pillars that we get from this passage. So in verse 9 and 10, Peter distinguished the identity of God's people from those who continue to reject God's message as described in the earlier verses. Um, from verse 1 of this chapter, Peter goes on to these sections where he He's describing those who are opposed to God. He's describing people of God. He's describing those who are opposed to God. He's describing people of God. And at this segment here, he's describing the people of God. And so this is what he says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we find in this text truths about the church as a collective. And I believe by extension we find truths about the individual Christians that make up the church. It is an encouragement for the believers who make up the church. So these truths are for you and I in the 21st century just as much as they were um, for the first century Christians who are receiving this letter for the very first time. And here, here are these truths. You are chosen. You are chosen. You've been chosen by God to belong to the chosen people of God. You've been chosen by God to belong to his family. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Take a moment to reflect upon that. You've been chosen by God. So the God... Who made the universe by the word of his mouth? How big is the universe? Anybody know how big the universe is? How big is the universe? NASA today are still discovering more about the universe. Now, it is massive. Um, I've looked at a video done by a preacher from America called Louis Giglio. I didn't put it up here. But if you have a look at how tiny the earth is compared to the entire universe that has been discovered you feel very, very insignificant. You feel very, very small. And that's just the discovered part of the universe. Now, they're still discovering more. Now, the God who made all of this by the power of his mouth, the God who is eternally sovereign, he holds the world, he holds the entire universe in his hands. This God chose you, chose you to be part of his eternal family, to be part of God's people. Now, the Bible is very clear that this choosing is not based on anything in us. It's not based on anything we have done. It's not based on our family or our race or our paycheck or anything that you can think about. Not how cool you can dance like that guy over there. Uh, not, none of that. It is based purely on God's grace and mercy. Verse 10 says this, You are not a people... You are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Once we were living in God, um, once we were living in sin, and we were actually objects of God's judgment. But because of God's amazing love for us, He chose us to be recipients of His mercy. It's a great blessing to be recipients of God's mercy. Thanks to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we are now members of God's family. We are God's special people. We are chosen by Him to enjoy His glorious presence now and for all eternity. It doesn't stop here. It just continues forever and ever and ever. Good things that last forever. It is amazing. Number two truth um, that we can take from this passage is you are a royal priest. You are a royal priest belonging to the royal priesthood. Like the Levitic priesthood in the Old Testament, the royal priesthood um, has direct access to God. Got direct access to our all-loving and almighty God. This means you don't need any human mediator between you and God because we have Jesus as our high priest. Mediating for us before God's triune presence. You don't have to be anxious about anything. You don't have to worry about life um, circumstances. But now we can, you can present your thanksgiving, you can present your burdens, your worries, your cares before God's presence at any time as a priest. Fantastic. It's great. Similar to the Levitic priesthood in the Old Testament, um, we are called to a life of service and worship to God. The priests in the Old Testament, if you're familiar with the temple system, they would dedicate their lives, their entire lives, in worship and in service to God. They would be um, serving in the temples, representing, um, I guess, being that um, middle ground or middle people between God um, and um, the people of Israel. And they would spend their lives serving God and worshiping God. Now, you and I... We've been called to a life of service and worship to God. Everything that we are, everything that we do, should be to the glory of God, should be in service to God, should be as worship to God. So whether we are at home, whether we are with our neighbors, whether we are with our colleagues at work, whether we are golfing, um, everything we say and do should be in service and worship to God as royal priests, because we, we are serving in the courts of our master, our king, our lord, our god. Number three truth um, from this passage is that uh, you are holy. You've been set apart. Holy means to be set apart. You are set apart. You are holy. You're not only chosen by God. You're not only given access to God as a priest. You are also set apart for him. You've been set apart for him. You belong to the holy people of God. You've been set apart by God to reflect his character in this world, to reflect his glories, to reflect his goodness in our world today. This point right here leads us to the reason why we exist as people. As people who are chosen by God um, to be his special treasure, we who belong to God's royal priesthood and we who've been... Um, set apart uh, by God for his glories. Here's why we're here. We've been called to declare his praises. We've been set apart by him to declare his praises, to make his name known in our world today, to make his glories, to make his goodness, to make the gold found in him known in our world today. 
We've been called to make his riches known here in Jamburu, in Kayama, in Bomaderi, wherever God may lead you, we are called to make his riches known. Whether it is to your children, whether it is to your grandchildren, whether it is to your neighbors, whether it is to your friends, or golf buddies, or craft buddies, or whichever circles you find yourself in, we are called to make him known to others around us. We are called to make his riches known to all the world around us. As individual Christians and as a collective church, we are called to, um, to bring God glory in all that we are and in all that we do. So how are we to do this in a life where on a daily basis we are faced um, by our own weaknesses? We've all got weaknesses, yeah? I'm one of those with weaknesses. We've all got our weaknesses. We've all got our limitations. So how are we to do this in a life where on a daily basis we are faced by these weaknesses and we might also experience opposition from those who may not be um, for God's kingdom? In verse 11, um, in verse 11 to 12, um, this is what Peter said. I'm going to be reading from the NIRV version. He says this, Dear friends, you are outsiders and those who wander in this world. So I am asking you not to give in to your sinful desires. They fight against your soul. People who don't believe might say you are doing wrong, but lead good lives among them. Then they will see your good deeds and they will give glory to God on the day he comes to judge. So, with God's amazing grace at the forefront of our minds, never ever forget God's amazing grace. And we live by grace. With God's amazing grace at the forefront of our minds, and in relying on the help of the Holy Spirit, because we are not alone and we can't do this by ourselves, we've got the Holy Spirit in us. We are called to resist our sinful desires that fight against our soul. So, unforgiveness, pride, hate, I want you to feel free to insert any struggles or any weaknesses that you might struggle with in your life that fight against your soul. Whatever it is that is a sinful desire in your life, we are called to resist all of this and fight against it. We are to bring God glory by living good lives among those who don't believe. Our actions are supposed to have the aroma of Jesus even to those who might oppose our Christian worldview. Now, every year, my resolution is to be the Jesus Carryport. And this year is actually no different. I want to be the best Jesus Carryport I can be. The best Jesus Carryport I can be. As a son, as a husband, as a father um, of three beautiful girls, as a friend, um, as an instrument that God is using at Kama High School, I want to be the best Jesus Carryport that I can be. Now, you're actually in for a treat for the next couple of seconds if you um, love curries. Any curry lovers in the house? Anybody love? Yeah, ooh, awesome. Um, you're in for a treat if you love curry. But if you don't like curry, unfortunately, everything I'm about to say, the next couple of things I'm about to say is going to sound like blah, blah, blah. Okay? But bear with me, please. Um, Curries have got this mouth-watering, appetite-regaining, mm, airspace-invading. But this beautiful aroma, which you just can't escape when it's being cooked. 
Let's face it. When your neighbor is actually cooking curry, everybody knows who's having curry. Can sort of, I can sort of smell. Mm, garlic went in. Oh, yep, that was the masala. Oh, that was the cumin. Oh, that was so good. You can smell it in the air when it is cooking. And let's not talk about the flavors, the burst of flavors in your mouth, the chili and the, oh. I'm starting to get hungry now. I'll stop now, or maybe not. In my limited mind, um, I, was, I try to find an analogy of what Jesus is like and what he does in and through us. And a pot full of curry was actually the best thing that came to mind to me. So, you know, guess I wonder why curry. I love curries. And Kenya, where I come from, people love curries. So it's the best thing that um, I could find to explain who Jesus is and who we are in him. To me, Jesus is actually like curry. And we are the pots. By his grace, God has chosen ordinary pots like you and I to be vessels which are filled by his glorious presence. He's chosen you and I as pots to be filled with his glorious presence. So in all of his wisdom and love, he gives us a new identity in him. We are no longer ordinary pots. We are the Jesus curry pots. We are the bearers of his name. We bear his name. And so he gives us a new identity in him and he works to transform us into his likeness so that those around us can't help but smell his aroma in the air. They can't help but smell the aroma of Jesus from our lives um, even as we interact with them. It is to be expected that some people around us um, will be drawn to the aroma of Jesus. They'll be like, that smells amazing. I've got to come to your house and eat. Okay, so it is to be expected that some will be drawn to this aroma of Jesus and they will want to come and they will want to know more about who Jesus is. They will be attracted to find out more about who this God of the Bible is and they'll be um, coming in um, to get to know more about God. But sadly, on the other hand, it is also to be expected that there are those who will be turned off by the knowledge of who Jesus is and might even stand in opposition to you. As Paul the Apostle puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15, 15 to 16, he says this. Um, he writes this about, um, in, in regards to himself and those with him who are proclaiming the good news in, in their missionary journeys. And he says this. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived different, differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? It's a great task that we have. So this is actually true for us today, just as it was true for Paul and his companions as they traveled sharing the goodness about Jesus. As I've been exploring um, this with my um, year eight students, um, We've got a topic on Paul's missionary journeys around his world. And you see two different types of people. People who accept the good news and they are passionate about it and they love it. And they come to faith and they come to know Jesus. Um, and on the other hand, you've got people who are turned off by it and reject the goodness of God. And they even beat up and put Paul in prison because of what he's standing for. 
And so it is to be expected that some will accept it and some will not. And we can see this as well today, um, even with the debates um, currently, whether we, should we have scripture in public schools, should we not have scripture in public schools. Um, some people are for it, some people are not for it. Some people want God to be proclaimed in um, the Christian school, some people don't want that. And that is the tension that we live in um, in, our, in, our modern, in our modern day society. My hope and prayer is that you know, students all over the nation will have access to um, you know, the opportunities to have access to the Bible and get to know more about God in the scripture classes. That this will continue on, not just for 2020, but for the many years to come. I want to finish with two main reasons why I believe being a Jesus car report is a great resolution for you just as it is for me. Not just for 2020, but from here on or for the rest of your life. I believe it is the best thing. Number one is this, that the Jesus car report draws his or her strength. Pardon me. The Jesus car report draws strength from his or her identity, knowing that by grace you are chosen by God, you're a member of God's family, a royal priest forever serving and worshipping God, and one set apart to bring him glory. Drawing strength from your identity, it's not about you, but it is about him who has called you to this life, who has called you to this family, who has called you um, on this journey to be part of what he is doing in the world. But the Jesus Christ report number two knows his or her limitations, know your weaknesses, know that in our own strength we cannot do all that we've been called to achieve. In our own feeble minds, we can't achieve all that God has called us um, to achieve. So the Jesus Christ report relies solely on the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit to, li- to live out a life that makes Jesus known. You rely solely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Every day, God help me to be the best Jesus Christ I can be. Help me to be the best light that I can be. Help me to be salt in my world. Help me to be light in my world. Um, I'm struggling this week. Lord, help me um, to bring you praises, to bring you glory, even in my weakness, even in my struggles this week. The Jesus Christ relies solely on the strength that Jesus provides. And whether you are a New Year resolution type or not, my encouragement to you is that as you start your year, that you will eagerly desire to be the Jesus Carriport. Um, whether times are good or the times are bad, that you will desire to be one who makes the aroma of Christ um, you know, spread all around you. And may we continue to stand firm in, the, in our faith in Christ, even as we look forward to the second coming of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pray for us, if that's all right, and then I'll take a seat. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us, you have chosen us to be part of your family. Lord, indeed, what a great blessing that while we were still sinners, you chose to send Jesus to die on the cross for us, that we may be part of your chosen people. Lord, we pray as we step out into our world, the Lord, you will help us to shine your light in our world, that you'll help us, Lord, to be salt in our world. The Lord, you'll help us, Lord, to be the Jesus report, that you'll help us, Lord, to be people who spread your aroma everywhere that we go to the glory of your name. So we thank you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amén.